Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are now listening to Footy Prime, the podcast, hosted by Danny DiCchio, Craig Forrest, and James Sharman. Hello there, football fans, and welcome. It is Monday, October the 28th. It is Footy Prime, Sharman, DiCchio, and Forrest. How was the weekend, fellas? Good? Oh, fantastic. Yeah? Fantastic. Is that sarcastic? Lester, Lester, no. Are you kidding? You being real? Leicester had a decent Celebrating. result. Celebrating. Not a bad result. I'm going to say. So I'm watching, actually, I wasn't watching the game. It's funny because we're not on TV on Saturdays now. You know, I kind of look at the schedule less than I would in the. I had no idea Leicester was playing Southampton on Friday. And I started getting these, these weird texts Me too. and tweets. I bet you did. <laughs> about Forrest is no longer famous or infamous. 9 0. Finally, it's not being beaten, but it's equal your mark. It was away from home. I mean, it's way worse than mine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, it's Leicester, too. It wasn't United in their glory days, either. Precisely. Precisely. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. I didn't watch it either, but I went back and watched it, obviously. And you, know, you, you, got, you listen to the commentators at 3-4-0, and you could just get the sense, even when they're, it, the, the game was going to be a big scoreline. Yeah. Southampton were going to cut open, like, so easily. Yeah. You could tell that there was gonna, it was going to be six or seven at But least, they were down a man, too, right? You weren't down a man. No. So no, maybe we were, it makes we were your, 11 your result v. worse. <laughs> well, we're not going to talk about that. We were 11 v. 11. Well, kind of. Kind of. Push, pushing on. We were also up against 12 because Graham Paul was definitely. <laughs> the Man United yeah, jersey under his uh, yeah. referees. Yeah, he did. He was sure. running down the sideline with Celebrating. his shirt off. I, I, I feel a little bit disappointed for Craig, don't you? Like he held that, that. He was the man. He was the guy getting the He's phone still calls. the man. He's still the man? Yeah. yeah. Come on. Hey, it hasn't been broken yet. <laughs> it was amazing that that Kasper Schmeichel and Peter Schmeichel were in goal in, at the other end of the field for both mm-hmm. games. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Uh, although it's like, so? <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, Kasper had more to do than uh, Peter, for sure, on that day. I don't think Peter had a shot. Yeah, well, you, you tweeted out, um, yeah. Yeah, so Singer. happy. So happy for them. Yeah, sitting on a deck chair or something. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Pina <laughs> yeah. colada in the hand. Yeah. Well, saying me, that me and Angus Gunn are the only ones that have Angus Gunn. to go with the Schmeichel at the other end. Which one of you played with his dad? Wasn't it one of you? I did. Well, you with did. his dad, he was with Norwich City. Okay, you know, Norwich, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. That's he amazing. played for Scotland. He was a good goalkeeper. Very good. Brian, mm-hmm. yeah. Angus Gunn is highly rated as well. He was. He is. Yeah, well. <laughs> hey. Is he, he's on loan, is he? Or... 
because he was at Man City for a long time. He's been bouncing it? around all over the place. But to be fair, Norwich for a little bit. Yeah, you know, he's a, he's a strong character. He's you know he's only twenty three, which is he better be a strong character, <laughs> right? Um, but he's already gone through you know some of his own issues, I'm sure, to, to battle to get where he is. And he's proven to be good enough to play in the Premier League. And it's a it's not you know the, the incredible thing is is you know watching it, it's not Angus Gunn's fault. No. To be fair to like. The sending off, I looked at it a couple of times. I thought the referee could have helped him a little bit, but when I looked at it in slow-mo, it came from the side and the, the, the studs were up on the calf. The ref didn't see it at first. He went back to it. I think it was a VAR decision to send him off. But the Southampton players just down tools. Like, it was embarrassing at times, as you yeah. said. It wasn't like Leicester were playing exhilarating football. They were cutting them open because Southampton were just so disorganised. And Hassan Hutul come out afterwards and took the blame entirely. But I think that's just covering a lot of what's going on at Southampton at the moment because the players, we've all played with 10 men before and you're a lot more organised, a lot more um, compact and harder to break down. But they were so loose and open. And I, I actually felt sorry for the keeper in the end because yeah. he was just getting battered, getting pelted. Maybe... Maybe the, the second, well, the first one he palmed wide. I think it was. A, it wasn't. It was a decent save. Maybe he didn't push it wide enough. But I mean, really clutching at uh, straws as far as where to pick some fault for Angus Gunn. He was just really exposed. I think a lot of people had high hopes for Southampton this year as well. And this result aside, it's been a poor start to the campaign. Apparently, hasn't it looked safe for now? Um, I'm not sure it's all his fault. I can't blame the guy, but he looked pretty good when he came in last year, and they, they turned the team saved around. Him, obviously, yeah, yeah save them, but. Uh, you know, that's a tough one. And as you know, Craig, the next game is so important. Yeah. And it could snowball out of control. I think in the, in the first episode of this podcast, we did that game you experienced mm-hmm. in depth. And I think I read out all the results that came after that, and they weren't pretty. No. So it could weren't. be a, an interesting month for Southampton. Well, that's it. Yeah, they got to regroup. I mean, we were near the end of the season when we got hammered 9 0. We were already lambs to the slaughter. So that was a, you know, a different situation than Southampton's. Remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about Watford and they got hammered 8 0. Right. Well, now that's kind of forgotten. It's gone, you know, away. I think Southampton you know. have got two tough games coming up as well. I think they play Man City. Mm. Do right. they? If only there was some kind of electronic database <laughs> where we could we could find out such things. You guys keep talking. I have a look at this, okay? <laughs> We're so prepared, aren't we? See, I've got notes here, but not the right notes. But yeah. my, mm. my, my incorrect notes are better than your no notes. Okay. Keep talking. Yeah. I'll, I'll look it up here. Southampton. Yeah, that one stings. You know who's lurking in the background? Maybe a return? Mark Hughes. We haven't heard of him in a while. Where is Mark Hughes now? <laughs> hey, they, should get, they should get Ralph Kruger to coach. He's Maybe. busy right now with the best team in the NHL. Aren't the Sabres uh, tops right now? You know, what, an impre- they were what an impressive guy, by the way. Oh, by the way, um, so City, Man City, play Southampton in the League Cup tomorrow. And league Cup, they, and then they play them in the league, don't they? <laughs> I think they do. Well, lucky Let me have a look here. Cup, they'll have their. Uh, uh, oh Jesus! You're right. So so tomorrow. Tuesday, they play City in the League Cup. This weekend, Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern, Southampton at Man City. <laughs> and then they're at Everton. That's a gimme, three points there. Tell me this thing, Craig. <laughs> then it's Arsenal. Would you be upset for being dropped for the next game? Yes. After just conceding nine? Yes. And then you have Man City on double in the cup. Yeah. And then, well, they'll probably play their under-23 team. And then Saturday at the Etihad. 
Yes, I would be upset. You'd be upset. Yeah. Even though you could maybe concede another 36 goals. <laughs> well, <laughs> in two games. the fact that he might book in a hamstring injury, <laughs> that's a different situation. Did he ever fake injuries? No. No. Okay. No. Cameras are on. No. Mics are on. We'll discuss that maybe after the fact. I would. I'd fake it all the time. <laughs> on the field, maybe, but... Yeah? You haven't? No? No? no Fair never. enough. Did you have no play. teammates that did fake injuries? Uh... Without uh, naming names, well, unless you want to. I don't know if they were faked injuries, but maybe some illnesses crept up now and again. Usually when... away from home, funny enough. Yeah. <laughs> at crap venues? Well, Two, yeah. Or dark not Tuesday even, night maybe not even at crap Stoke. Venues. You know, it could <laughs> or be, going to Norwich or Ipswich away midweek was a terrible journey, especially yeah. if you were at Sunderland. Because yeah. no matter where you are, though, it's not easy it's to get to, right? Yeah. No, yeah. Ipswich. Oh, we knew that, too, at Ipswich. Uh, it was a tough place to get to. And, yeah. Yeah. People didn't like coming there. Different, different world over there compared to here. I mean, here you obviously you're traveling bigger distances, but you're flying. Generally speaking, you're flying in you know pretty decent surroundings. Whereas there, you're taking buses and trains. Yeah. Even the top teams. Yeah. Well, yeah, and we had few occasions we would take a flight up north to Newcastle or Manchester, but by the time you get to the airport and go through your whole day, and the bus driver or the coach driver would drop you off, he would then drive that coach. Yeah. And meet you at the airport and usually beat you there. So it's, it well, just it wasn't yeah. far enough. Like so, it just really didn't make any and sense. Going through all customs at the airport and stuff like that as well. Yeah. What in England? Yeah. You have to go through a passport to get in. The no, Suffolk, but just uh, <laughs> no, no, but just getting on through the airport stuff like that. It's not like yeah. the yeah. NBA guys travel here where they're on a bus straight onto the plane. You remember yeah. all the 1834s heading off to Ibiza, yeah, and places and Benidorm, Benidorm. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the, uh, the the stories about the card games in the back of the bus are legendary as well. The amount of money that was gambled and betting is is that is that true? Did you experience that or was mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah. Some guys and uh, there's always a card table and always a card game going on on the coach. Somebody playing cards. And if you want to get involved, go ahead. Were yeah. you guys involved so, or did you stay clear? I played a little bit. Yeah, yeah. With Canadian Trump. dollars. <laughs> Canadian trumps, dollars, trumps, yeah. trumps, top yeah. trumps, yeah. amazing! I love top trumps. Oh, it, was, it was interesting game towards ever. the end of of like my career in England. You always had the card table, but then the younger players started. They're on big money, obviously. Then they started bringing on the TV monitors and the playstations. So right. there would be a table of older vets playing cards, and then there would be the younger group playing a PlayStation set up with a monitor. Right. Like, what the fuck's going on now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Certain, I, was certain movies always played? Certain documentaries? I don't even know if movies were no. on. No. Panorama? Guys Wasn't that, that Panorama show you used to watch a lot? No. What's the one? We, we discussed that. Uh, what was it? It's a, it's a documentary <laughs> in the BBC in the, uh, in the 90s about the poor fella. Oh, John, John's Not Mad? John's Not Mad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had a couple of them on the team. <laughs> <laughs> then we're going down a, down, down a road that I shouldn't have gone down here. Okay. You know, somebody asked me a very interesting question the other day. There was, as a Canadian, in, in, tea at halftime or before the game is really common in, yep. in, over there. And yeah, like I had a cup of tea at halftime. Lots of sugar. Every single game, lots of sugar. Yeah, yeah. in a little plastic cup. But that was a that number. Also tasted a little like plastic. Yeah, yeah. That Nothing was a number list. one rule though. When you went to an away ground, that you did not drink the tea left or. Provided to you in the really? room because well, had, um, the apprentices or whoever were looking after the changing rooms that day, we, we knew it as well because we were apprentices. Because you'd be doing day. it too. Yeah, you do not drink <laughs> the 
tea in the away team There's dressing room. There's things in that tea that shouldn't be in that tea. Exactly. A lot of things. <laughs> really? Especially if yeah. it was a derby game yeah, or... Because yeah. the apprentices look after that stuff. Like, you had, you'd had yeah. little sandwiches, cut sandwiches nicely yeah. in your room and... And a big uh, pot of tea, but I loved a, a cup of tea. I still do, mm-hmm. but I would never so drink it in a waiting dressing room. Have usually a massive big pot of tea with about thirty tea bags. They would just throw in there. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Decanio coming in and he was all pissed off about something, which is wasn't unusual. <laughs> Paolo, so he come in. The first thing he did, he's Harry Redknapp had a little dig at him, and he wasn't happy. So he picked up that tea urn and through it and it was just there was tea everywhere it was lucky he didn't wow. burn half the team he was, really yeah he wasn't happy about being dug out by harry on that particular occasion well yeah. i mean i've heard about lots of tea bagging in, in <laughs> not rooms, but that's, that takes it to a brand new level entirely doesn't it yes Jeez. yeah but great cup of tea at halftime yeah. the tea lady was awesome. a big part of the club right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah like like respected yeah, well known this tea urn was so big and heavy that she couldn't carry that in no, no. she might have made the tea but the apprentices had to bring in the tea. Who was your favourite tea lady? Oh, we had a lovely one at uh, Sunderland, Preston. Like, been there for years and years. Margaret, her name was up in Sunderland. She she was a gem. She looked after all the, the wives and the kids as well. And it was just, as we've spoken about before, a, a real nice feeling environment within that club. It was a community club. At Sunderland, this is. At Sunderland, yeah. yeah. And, and the tea ladies, the equipment guys are, are there for a long, long time as well. So they're, they're part of the culture within the club. And yeah. I mean, they did multiple jobs like our kit guy uh trevor curtin he drove the coach he was the kit man he was the ma- yeah, yeah he was managing the, yeah. the stands and cleaning making sure the stands were all clean he did a number of different jobs not just one and that's what you get at smaller clubs in the smaller clubs you get you get these individuals that are there for decades and decades yeah. and the kit man you, in you, west ham eddie gillens i remember him too great great guy that was there for Ever and ever, and those are the yeah. You, you really sort of those are the guys you remember as much as anything. They're almost the yeah. fabric of the club. Those yeah, kind of people, they are, aren't they? They are. Yeah. Um, and those people you tip well at Christmas and stuff. I'm assuming that's what, what they got. <laughs> well, Danny, uh, that, those are the guys you tip well at Christmas. And <laughs> you should bring them a little bottle of whiskey or something. Mm-hmm. That was it. Really? Yeah, you just give them a gift instead. It wasn't. They don't want a gift. Tip. They want money. Yeah. No, these these guys did. Yeah, it's like oh, these John, ladies. John Wong Curry wasn't happy with Eddie one day because Eddie. According to John, <laughs> according to John, according to John, would keep forgetting to lay out his socks or something. There's always something missing. So he came in late one day, John, and his kit wasn't ready or whatever. So John Moncur just put on his boots, and it was pouring. It was about four degrees that damp English day, and we're warming up, and here comes John running across the field, butt naked, just slight his, tackle, just his football <laughs> boots on, does the whole warm up naked. And you got the fans standing yeah. over there, but there's nobody with, <laughs> nobody with cell phones and everything back then. And then it was it doesn't a, you, sound like John. Eventually, it was, you, you figure, well, he's got to be freezing, so he he decides I'm, I'm going to go back in now and get changed. There's a, a slide right in front of the fans <laughs> in a wet puddle. I saw John Monk go naked once in a Emporium nightclub. He slid down the stairs. He loved getting naked. Yeah, he jumped in the fountain and yeah. everything. Was like, yeah. Who is this lunatic? And it's like, yeah. I said, just Johnny. He's had a okay, we're going to get yeah. John Monker on this show at some point, right? Oh, yeah, he's absolutely legendary. Yeah, that that sounds amazing. Crazy. <laughs> um, in a good way. As usual, the, the lineup's been thrown out the window already here, but that's a good thing. It means it's a good show. But I want to get to... Uh, I was on the, so, so we're also now on deanblundell.com. Mm. We're really happy about this uh, partnership with Dean's uh, 
new environment for, for content. It's fantastic. We'll be writing and posting our podcast there as well. I was on his podcast last week, and he brought up the football card picture of Danny, the Wolverine picture, which we posted a few times on Twitter. We'll do it again today if you missed it. And he, had, he wants to know from you, Deech. He hasn't met you yet. But he wants to know, like, he said, to me, that is a guy that has just come out of a meth lab. <laughs> and he asked me to ask you, have you ever done meth? And I said, I'm pretty sure you haven't. Pretty sure. But that day, you know the picture. Yes. What had happened the night before? No disrespect to meth, but no, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't done meth. <laughs> you look rough, bro. I have no idea where I was the night before, but usually... I think you're trying to hang on to your hair. Like yeah, you were kind of probably. Like, it just it was moving down here. It was the old Bobby Charlton. I didn't know where I was going. But I was trying to pull it over from <laughs> back <laughs> to front, sideways. But, but it's, um, it's the facial hair almost. It's like starting here, stopping there. It's oh, they were beautiful, beautiful lamb chops. You nice lamb chops. Yeah, it suits you. Well, I look fucking a lot better than I did back then with hair, didn't I? You do. You, you, you're like a fine wine. You've... But also, when we go to talk about having your team photo or player photos done, the amount of kind of preparation that I see from players nowadays where they're at the, the groomers or the hairdressers the day before. They're Pedicure. up early to, to get their, like, faces done, beards trimmed nicely. I'm going, fuck, we, like, back so in the day, we say, had no idea when, when the photo so people you're were coming in. you're basically just saying that you just put no effort in. I'm basically saying I was probably out till four in the morning the night before that that, 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 that out picture was taken, or I was probably DJing somewhere and uh, really was still probably very happy and jovial. Having that photo taken. Did, did the posers, though, in that you know era, did posers get it from the, the team, banter-wise? I mean, there must have been some posers. Yes. I'm sure there yeah. were, right? Oh, and, yeah. I mean, you weren't yeah. playing that many years ago. The best no. was that. The best, and you probably had some some locker rooms, changing rooms back in the day where we had a, a fantastic changing room at Millwall, and we had a couple of the crazy gang. Uh, Dennis Wise was player coach back then, but we had some real characters in, in the group as well. And when a new player came in and he was having himself with, say, in a nice way, where all the gear was on, looking very plush, and some rascal sweaters were, were, were being worn, or jeans or shoes. We would hang them up, or we would cut them up. <laughs> that was one way of dealing it. And there was one time <laughs> we had the player, the goalkeeper, Marshall. Was it Marshall? Ian? Uh, no, um, Andy Marshall. Andy, came in yeah. from Ipswich, actually, yeah. and he came in on loan. And he bought in some terrible club. I think it was like a Gucci kind of sweater, tracksuit top, some rascal stone washed jeans. Was Rascal a brand? Huh? Was Rascal a brand? Rascal. No, no. Yeah. just that Rascal is in like terrible. Oh, terrible. Okay. And, uh, I've got to go work on my London slang here. And the boys, well, the, the boys actually took the gear and they took them outside, took a mannequin outside as well, and put the, the, the clothes on the mannequin and put tape around it so that when we're running out on the field, he's gone out to the to the field to start to warm up with a goalkeeping coach and he's seen his gear out there and he absolutely lost it. <laughs> Lo- like, lost it. <laughs> that, that, that's an 800-pound outfit there. <laughs> Boys, that is fucking terrible. <laughs> terrible. And every day you've come in, something was done to it. So, so you had to react to it in a certain way because yeah. if you... Fell into the trap of reacting in a bad way. Yeah. That was you done for the time yeah. you, you were there. So the locker rooms were where the kind of team spirit, the character w- was built, but also where those type of guys were kind of really, really, really Then, yeah, the other pushed. ones were everywhere. Everybody had a clothing guy. 
It was like you travel somewhere, or a shop, yeah, a shop or a store or a guy that would show up on away trips and bring a whole bunch of gear. And I was pretty young at the time, and these guys, these players, would talk me into buying all this expensive stuff. It <laughs> looked like shit. And I'm six foot five. It wouldn't fit me, but they're all like, you know, ah, it looks brilliant, big man. It looks brilliant. And then I'd buy it, and then they'd cane me for it. It looked like uh, Rodney and only falls and horses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Is that long enough? You clunker. Oh, Rodders, here he comes. Look. <laughs> but that was that's what you wore, but cars were always a thing, right? You had to yes. have a decent car in most well, cases, right? Well, that's or, another story. I, I didn't have... Uh, I didn't have a nice car. I, I didn't care. I had a little flat that plummeted in price because the market had dropped. So it, it lost 80% of value on it. I had this beige Golf 1.1 I drive a Golf. What are you saying about Golfs? Well, yeah, but you're not a football no, star. Far from it. And it was beige. <laughs> and it was beige. And it was beige, yeah, yeah. exactly. You but were Rodders. Was your flat in Peckham as well? Nearly. Yeah, I tell you what, it wasn't as nice as Peckham. <laughs> <laughs> was it th- a three-wheeled golf by chance? Like the uh, Reliant Robin. And, and I came out one day and some of the little bashes ran over it. Like ran over it. Ran so, over it. Like ran over it, yeah. So I could get a bum yeah. mark on the top of the car, foot feet marks all over it, scratches. That's normal in that part of London. Like serious. Yeah. But you never bought into the whole must get myself a, a slick ride? Not really. No. Not Each, really. The amount of money wasted on cars when you were younger and what was your, your most expensive car you bought in England? When no, you I, I, I never went for like a stupid, stupid car. But I had like a Range Rover back in the day when I didn't really need it. I didn't have kids at that time. I'm like, why am I driving a big it's a Range Rover? SUV like this, uh, just your normal kind of sports car. But some guys like. Yeah. Coming in with Bentleys, Rolls Royce, and yeah. you think kids too nowadays, right? Yeah. You know, they're almost uh, academy graduates within the last year or so, and they're, they're driving Bentleys. Yes, yeah. wow, and you wonder why. That's why I like. Ma- that's say. why I like Manchester United and and what Alex Ferguson done back in the day. They had, I think, they had a, a sponsorship with Audi and yeah. and club every cars, player right? they had club cars, and certain players were put in their place because certain certain players that they were trying to play with or trying to progress to it was a matter of respect in the car park to show look you've got a nice car already you don't need to be lavish but i think that's gone out the window now you see pogba and people driving lukaku i think back they had a blacked out bentley which at the end of the day that's their own decision to make Mm -hmm. but i think it's a matter of respect as well within the club or Mm -hmm. with players you're playing and also the supporters that are coming to watch you and dan can we get a pod car yeah, I, yeah, a I pod think car. We're gonna make sure that Danny has some conversations with some out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, driving, driving, around. driving around, doing podcasts. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Free prime cool. on the side on the on the, on yeah. the door. I'll do anything. For a car. <laughs> You'll do anything I, for anything. Uh, I will. We, there, there's nothing I won't do. Me pies. Yeah, shaman's proper. We they'll ta- sponsor pretty soon. We were talking about photos <laughs> there, right? About photos, and I remember to doing the team photo because you do your individual photos. Then you do your team photos, like you say. Now you didn't really know when it was. No. Just you come in one day, it's and like, like surprise. Hey, yeah, the <laughs> photographer's here today, and everybody's just kind of hanging around. Trevor Putney, old wet, uh, Ipswich player. You remember Trevor yeah, yeah. Putney, right? Cockney guy, funny as heck. <laughs> Bobby Ferguson, the Geordie uh, manager, just despised him because he was always laughing in the morning. He hated people that laughed in the morning. Did he? Oh yeah. I hate people that laugh in the morning. So grumpy kid. Grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they do the team photo. Nobody says anything. A couple of weeks later, I don't know how many 
you know, thousands of big posters of the team comes out, and there's Trevor Putney in the front row with his tonsure oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging out of his shorts. <laughs> so we've got to get that team photo because yeah, I I think I saw that back in the day yeah, as so well. They had to burn, they had to get rid of all of them, and then the Fergie's like, "Putney, come into my office. You got to pay for all these photos." That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but it brings, you know, I guess it brings teams together, good laugh, right? The banter, right? Oh, you look amazing. at some teams right now, and they're, they're missing something. And you know, we're almost out of time here. We have to mention um, Granite Xhaka. I know you want to get to it, Deech. Uh, this weekend, Arsenal, obviously, in a bit of disarray at the moment. Um, they were screwed over, quite frankly, late in the game with a, a, a VAR. VAR again. Uh, yeah, once again, which I'm not going to mention. I'm sick of it. I'm not going to mention anymore. Um, that was a terrible, terrible use of VAR. It was used incorrectly. But off comes Granite Xhaka, the captain of the club. He's been given it by the, by the fans. Mm. And then he cups his ear, tells them to F off. Very quietly. He wasn't like screaming at them. Mm. And he's been hammered. For doing that ever since what's your thoughts on that given the abuse he was taking well um he's frustrated obviously and, he, and his reaction was incorrect I'll, I'll go as far as that i think one of the biggest problems that i had with it and i can like again understand his frustration is the fact that they're two two they were two nil up he's getting subbed off and he's walking off um you know it's, i think that's where the fans were like get off the pitch like if their coaches made a decision get off the field so there's a, there's a lot of frustration around that club right now. There's, there's boarding as a boarding point, and I think a lot of that comes into play. But what he did in his reaction was completely wrong. Um, but at some point, part of it, I do understand his frustration, but he'll regret it, I think, long run. Listen, the, the Arsenal's fans' reaction was very poor towards him, OK? Mm-hmm. His reaction to them was instinctive, I think. It was like, hold on, I am the captain of this club, and I should be... When he's probably shown a like little bit I'm more respect, hard, at least, yeah. you know, and and at least shown some respect. But yeah. this this kind of curtails back to him being named as the captain by the players. I, I don't think he's. We've spoken about this before. Everyone's first choice to be a captain, especially the Arsenal fans, is. I think it's more than fifty-fifty in favour of him being even a starting player within the group. Like he's not a well-liked player at Arsenal Football Club. This is only gonna exaggerate it even more in the in the press the media are going to go after him now there's certain players saying that he's got to be dropped from his captaincy is that right or not I agree in some sense that uh, a captain shouldn't act like that but let's not go away from the fact that there's a reason the Arsenal fans were booing him and it's not entirely because of his performance but they were drawing tying 2-2 at the time with Crystal Palace in the game that they should be winning at home and he's walking off the field slowly that was the reaction from the Arsenal fans. Mm-hmm. Not only is he performing below average, but he's walking off in a game where, OK, we want to try and increase the tempo a little bit. We want to bring a player on to try and make an impact, to try and change the game a little bit. And he's walking off and he's kind of goading the fans a little bit as well, which I didn't particularly like. Yeah. No, I didn't either. And I think he'll regret it. And uh, I, I had the same situation years and years ago at Ipswich where... Our team were, were struggling. Um, we weren't in the Premier League at the time, I don't believe. Um, <clears throat> but we were getting it from our fans, and I, I was fed up with our own fans, so I ended up giving them the, 
wanker sign behind my back to my own fans, which I I also regretted at the uh, afterwards. Straight as away, well. <laughs> or well, not really straight away. I was just like, you know, come on, like you were that they, pissed they, off. We're, we're, yeah, I was just pissed off that I, I think they were unfair on our on our players at the time, which they absolutely were. And, and like I said, I regretted it. So um, it's amazing they can say whatever they like to anybody on the field, any kinds of bad yeah. language and everything. And as soon as I gave him the wanker sign, it was like, oh, my God, I was so offended. Really? Yeah. Well, really? Yeah. They yeah. didn't like it at all? Were no, you, you didn't, Were you but... spoken to by your club for doing that? Were you reported? Well, there was reporting about it that something should be done about it. Um, and to be honest, I agreed with it. Um, it was a mistake by me. And Richard Wright was a young goalkeeper who moved on to Arsenal soon after that and then to Everton and now he's a goalkeeper coach in Man City. Great kid great young goalkeeper uh his dad passed away not far long before this uh, incident happened as well he was a great gentleman as well and did a great job with richard and i know richard was get devastated but he gave his shirt for auction up to to cancer research and i thought that was brilliant by him to do that but it was his debut shirt uh so i took the opportunity i always thought that richard should have that and his dad would want him to have that debut shirt because it was a dream uh, for richard to play in the in the top flight um so i ended up buying that jersey for him so it was kind of a seven pose fine yeah, it was a self-imposed fine, basically. And I just, instead of giving it to something useless, I thought I would give it to something. That is a great way to twist the message. Well done, Craig. Yeah, you, you're owning it, but at the same around. time, now you criticize me, assholes. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, you know, what What year was that? Do you know approximately? Was that mid-90s? Later than that? Yeah, yeah, mid-90s. Because it must have been before I was yeah. on TV. Probably 96, I, I, something like Yeah, that. I would have hammered you for doing that on TV. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would have smashed you. Yeah. Letting down Canada, yeah. not just team, were, but Canada, for, for giving the wanker memories. sign to your fans. Yeah, the wanker sign's a great sign, in yeah. fairness, and it's, it's under underused. It really is, <laughs> I think, over here, certainly in North America. Yeah. All right, listen, guys. Um, end of part one. Part two will focus on on Canadian soccer, in particular, the Canadian Premier League. What a week it's been, actually, for Canadian soccer. In all, uh, you know, first of all, Canada gets in officially into the top six in CONCACAF for the time Brilliant. being. Alfonso mm-hmm. Davis starts at Bayern Munich this past weekend as well. Um, the U-17s kicked off, lost to Brazil, but still kicked off this weekend. And Forge play Cavalry in the Canadian Premier League final leg one. We'll talk about that on the other side. Well, that's promised. We're going to get to some Canadian Premier League talk now. Uh, quite the weekend, a momentous weekend as the, the first leg of the two-legged final went. And tell you what, it was pretty good. A lot of drama, um, a lot of theatre as well. The Forge beat Cavalry 1-0. Um, two red cards, one to Tristan Borges for, for I guess, violent conduct and on a kick-out on Jonathan Wilder. Now, that's being appealed by Forge. Uh, and there's one on Joel Waterman for a handball which led to the penalty and the 1-0 win. Now, we're now joined by Cavalry head coach um, enjoying what's been just a brilliant debut season, Tommy Wilden Jr. Tommy, w- welcome to the show, mate. Oh, thanks for having us on, boys. So first things first, uh, about the red card, we hear that the Forges is appealing their red card. Are you guys thinking about appealing the Waterman red? Because we're still a little bit confused about what, what happened there. Yeah, it seems the case, doesn't it? I mean, if we're appealing that, do we appeal the decision on their goal that the ball seemed over the line? I mean, where does the line stop? The referee's got a job to do. Um, I mean, we'd love to have Joel Waterman available for the second leg, so uh, perhaps we uh, we need to do that as well. But as it stands right now, you, you haven't appealed just yet? Uh, yeah, 
yeah, we've uh, we've asked the question Tommy, I don't know if you can hear me. It's Danny here. Um, I just want to try to get to the bottom of this this red card because before our season started with our with our academy team, uh, the U19s, we had the referees come in and they explained that if the ball hits any part of the arm um, in the penalty area, then it's a handball. But there is one constraint where if a player is trying to stop a cross and he's protecting his fall which it looked like your your defender was doing on Saturday, and it hits his arm, then it's not a handball. So I saw that, uh, I think it was Waterman was gesturing that he was trying to protect his fall, his motion was trying to protect his fall, and the ball hit his hand. So is that kind of what you're going to try and appeal? Because that's what it looked like to me. Oh, you, you played the game a long time, and unfortunately you were at the other end trying to score the goal. <laughs> the defenders, they're, they're sliding in to, to, to make that ball be as big as possible. When you slide, where the arms go, if you put your arms at your side, you're lunging in two-footed, and that's illegal in the game. So his arm's out to protect his fall, and that's just the natural way of the, uh, the body position. So that's where we're confused. And, yeah, and the sad state of affairs is, is we're talking about that and, and the, the, the drama around it because it, it took away from what could have been a better football match. You know, it, it changed the outcome of the game. And, you know, I said it afterwards, we were just, you know, I guess happy to get out of there um, when it could have got a big drubbing when you're down a man for so long. Yeah, Tommy. I mean, the game itself uh, was uh, it was certainly exciting uh, for many different ways, and a lot of talking points in the match too. I know Forge hit the crossbar, I believe, uh, three times. Yeah, three times. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we're looking at Forge, and well, looking at the game itself from your standpoint, it could have been out of reach potentially. Forge could have put the pressure on, and if they had yeah. scored three or four, it, it could have been save yeah well. penalty save by a goalkeeper came up big. Yeah. So, do you feel a little bit uh, somewhat fortunate to get out of there with only one nil? Yeah, that's a positive, and um, I said it time again. Our, our group is is built tough, right? We have a we have a great resilience about us, no matter what. And we've you know gone to uh, Montreal Impact, and Nick Ledgewood got sent off, and still managed to hold on to a two one tie against them. And you know they're packing some punches. Um, you know we've gone to York nine and should have won one nil um, had the injury time not gone over with nine men. So we we know what it feels like to have things go against us. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't our best performance by any means, but it was a patient one. We were we were aiming to be patient because we knew Forge at home are very good. They play on a big pitch and they give you everything they've got, but they die. And we were just, OK, no problem. We'll wait. We'll take the wind in the second half. And then suddenly the tides turned with the call and, and the game plan goes out the window. We just talked about survive. Survive because we know once we get to Spruce Meadows, we score a lot of goals there. Um, the, the crowd is intimidating. It's a, it's a smaller venue, which adds to it a little bit more uh, passion, atmosphere, and we play some of our best football at home, like most teams do. So uh, going in at one nil uh, isn't the worst. It's by far, means not the best, but uh, given the circumstance, I think we'd take that and move on. And you know, Tommy, as a neutral and someone that's watched the game in this country for a, a long time here, I know, I know the fans, the players, the coaches may not appreciate what happened on the weekend, but the fact is, they're talking points. And a lot of uh, you know people are talking about these incidents, wrong or right, and that can't actually be bad for the league, can it? No, you know what? I think it was even trending all over social media, wasn't it? So once you get to that point, yeah, 
you lads have been doing this in this country for a long time, supporting the game. Um, now we have a league of our own that's actually being talked about. And people saying, was it red? Wasn't it red? Was it penalty? Not penalty. Um, should they have done this? Should they have done that? You know. And now these talking points just stir interest on Monday morning when everyone's back in their offices and they're still talking about it. Mm. And I tell you what, it sells tickets for Saturday because I know our fans, our club feels aggrieved about the circumstances, but there's nothing we can do about it other than we've got another bite at the apple and uh, we're looking forward to that Saturday. Yeah, talking a little bit about your crowd, uh, Tommy, and, and the support you get there has been terrific. And, and re- really yeah. read right across the CPL, it has not been bad at all in the first year. No. It's been pretty impressive. And uh, I think the actual standard of play has surprised me a little bit, uh, to be honest yeah. with you. It's been much better. Uh, it just shows you that giving an opportunity and a place to play that these players, and, and as well as coaches like yourself, to get an opportunity, referees to get opportunities, yeah. and all the yeah. Canadians involved. It's been really terrific. Now, Moving down and moving across to sort of down the road to next year, uh, what's the deal with expansion? Uh, what's the talk there? What's the talk about uh, exposure for the league? Uh, One Soccer has got uh, the, the rights to it, um, and it's on a platform, which is great, but it's a, behind a paywall, uh, trying to get as much exposure for your league, and what is the plan for that moving forward uh, next year to try to get as many eyeballs and exposure to this league as the media landscape changes? Yeah, I think um, the commissioner answered uh, uh, a couple of questions recently about the expansion. I believe he's going to make an announcement in the next 30 days. I know, you know, from what he's talking about, there's three at the table, um, whether that's, you know, one in 2020 or three in 2021. I, I'm not too sure on that, but I know that we're, we're far along the line with uh, expansion. Um, but I think anything, when you're when you growing, you just got to be patient with it. Make sure we've got, you know, all seven of us, um, you know, doing our job and our bits in our communities and, and then grow from there. So when the 8th and ninth are ready, uh, there are markets that can add to what we've already discovered from coast to coast this year. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of media exposure, I, I think, you know, I came back, I came here in 2002 to play for the old Calgary Storm in the old A-League and that was, you know, when the Whitecaps, the Sounders, the Timbers, Montreal Impact, all in it, there was no coverage. You know, you're lucky to get a, a column in, in, in a newspaper about professional football in this country. So now we're having, you know, behind a paywall. But what, what's great about Media Pro is now they've invested in the Canadian game. And what they've done now is, you know, CBC have come in and taken some of the games. Um, and I believe even the Canada Soccer against US, there was a bit of an outcry why it was on mainstream. But mm-hmm. believe me, that was offered. It was just the mainstream now needs to say, actually, you know what, we sh- we too should get this back on the mainstream as well, um, and 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 that's how we grow the game is is more eyeballs on it and more investment in it. Tommy, I just want to speak about uh, the new rules. Hopefully, coming in next year, where they're saying they're that there's going to be even more Canadian players uh, within the squads and that the foreign spots might be down to, I think, is it two next year, possibly within the squad, which could hurt a couple of teams. But working with younger Canadian players at Toronto FC Academy and seeing the the pipeline of of younger players with with huge potential coming through, and I've loved seeing a lot of players that I've worked with or I've seen play within League One in Ontario or just in general seen come through different avenues in here in Ontario do you think we're going to hopefully see even more teams come in and, and put pressure on the league and saying look we, we need even more younger players playing week in week out not just being in the squad but starting for their teams Absolutely and I think as you know it's, uh, it's balance isn't it yeah. you know, we were fortunate a lot of our old heads uh, became Nick Ledgewood Mason Trafford um, Jonathan Wilden 
Um, and, and Dominic Malonga was our was our foreign import, and I think they helped a lot of the lads that were new to professional football, like Joel Waterman, like Malik Hamilton coming in and getting you know his first serious minutes. There's a lot of them, so I think for us is uh, you know I've I've heard so I put my general manager out, and I've had so many iterations of this new ruling coming in, and none of it has been made public. So um, I'm not sure what that means. All I can say is, uh, as somebody who believes in Canadian football, you know I'm an adopted Canadian myself. Is uh, you, you only have to look at what Forge and ourselves have done. You know, some of these names wouldn't become local heroes. You know, Nico Pasquati's, Dominic Zatorz, Marco yep. Carducci's, had we not given them the chance. And, and I'm sh- sure the same rings true for the guys they brought out of Sigma. They're just a, a fraction of the players that could possibly play in this league. I think we've just got to have that fine balance because as we are a rookie league, I don't think we can go out there and just put under-23 sides in there. I think what we've got to do is have that fine balance because what I can do as a coach on the training ground and in the locker room, you know, the players can do day-to-day, whether it's around the meal tables, sitting next to each other on the plane, uh, you know, sharing experience in a game. I think that's the fine balance that we've got to get as we grow the game. I do I do think, too, though, it's nice to have the odd foreigner in the league. Uh, like, you have Escalante there, who is a, yeah. a, a clever Honduran player that comes from a different mm-hmm. footballing culture and it's a it's a it's a culture that we're not really familiar with but yeah. very important to, and I'm sure your players learn a lot from the way he plays the game so, so let me and I'm glad you made that because I, I was fortunate to work with Sean Fleming with the U17 World Cup team um, and that's a 1998 group Tristan Borges and all that and I remember playing against Costa Rica that played a 3-5-2 we played Panama that played an inverted wingers 4-2-3-1. We played Mexico 4-4-2 with uh, out-and-out wingers. Um, and then I, think, I think we played Haiti in a 4-3-3 with just who played direct. And all of these groups were different than saying, right, you've got to play this structure. It's how you play against this structure that um, we've got to learn. And we only learn it by being in these CONCACAF tournaments because I can't remember the last time, if ever, Canada's won down in Central America. So if you're going to win in Central America, then why not learn a little bit more about them? It's no different now that you've seen a bit of tide turning in, in, in England that you know foreign managers have come over and now there's a new wave of British coaches coming through that have learned, actually, there is another way to look at the world. And, uh, and I believe it is a good thing to, to learn more about how the Central Americans, how their culture, how they play the game, because you've got to adapt and overcome when you play against them. You know, Tommy, I, I read a great interview with you on, I think, canpl.ca about you um, as a coach. And, you know, it, it came across that you're a very modern thinking, progressive football coach. Is there a coach um, out there in the world that you look up to in particular as someone that you could base a, a lot of your uh, teachings on? Um do you know, I think I grew up in, the, in in England in the era with Sir Alex Ferguson. And what I loved about it, I'm an Everton fan. And don't get me wrong, you know, I, um, I, I just I feel that what Sir Alex did was more than just coach. He created a culture. He created a, a, a legacy of excellence uh, at Old Trafford. And it's something that I tried to build in a mini format with, with Flotills. And then when I moved on there, it was something I've used a lot of the principles in building the cavalry. But then in terms of the modern day era, I love um, the way Jurgen Klopp, Klopp um, speaks about the game with passion. Um, I love the way Guardiola dissects the game and questions this, that and the other and does unorthodox thinking to create these uh, unique ways. Uh, I love Pochettino, his relationship with his players. Um, and, and I think you know there's elements of Jose Mourinho where you know when he won it with FC Porto, he was prepared 
to play what needed to be done to win the game and you know and I guess elements of that came out um, on Saturday's game against Forge you didn't mention Marcus Silva there Tommy There's a Howard Kendall somewhere in the world waiting to take that 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 job once again. <laughs> Bring back the glory. You know it, you know it. Andy Gray up front. Uh, yeah, listen, Tommy. Uh, go through them. Eh? I, I'm a red, I'm afraid. So uh, I remember those days with mixed emotions. Uh, Tommy. And that's why they call it the friendly rivalry, I guess. Uh, Tommy, thank you so much, mate. I really enjoyed this. Uh, good luck on the weekend. It's been some season for Calvary. Obviously, spring champs, fall champs, uh, hopefully full champs uh, in your uh, standpoint as of next weekend. So thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate you having us on, guys. Good luck, Tommy. Good luck. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks. That's Tommy Wilden Jr. Um, yeah, interesting stuff, isn't it? And, and there's a lot of, well, seven Six now, I guess, of course, the, the one coach left. Um, but younger coaches, but modern thinking coaches and progressive coaches, and be it Bobby Smignotius, Rob Gale, you know, you could go on. Um, from, from a coaching standpoint, they were given the mandate, yeah, coach your team, sure, but also be available, uh, sell your club in the community and nationally. And I think to a man, they've done a really good job of that so far this season. They have done well. Uh, I think they've done really well. They've all collectively, they get along really well. They know what they're trying to do. They're all together on whether they, how they build the league, Danny. And it's uh, it really, in the first year, I think it's been quite successful. Yeah, I, I think, as you said, it, they all knew it was going to be baby steps moving into this first year. And I, yeah. I think every single one of them, even going down to deep, darkest Halifax there with Stephen Hart, who's who's really really done a great job with that Halifax team and the support they have down there having a uh, a sports team to support I know they have uh, minor league hockey down there but they have a fantastic mm -hmm. little stadium down there and it's great for the future of of football in this country Craig you, you've been here a long long time I've been here 12 years now and it's something that this country has needed but not only for the media attention and for the country as a whole, but for the younger players and even for players that have grown up in this this country and played in, in probably local leagues to have a chance to, to play professionally for either a local club or travelling to, to play for a club in a, in a different province, uh, I think is fantastic. And hopefully we can push on and maybe one or two teams. I don't want to see an influx of five or six teams straight away. I think yeah. the league are doing it in a, in the correct way and saying, look, we're going to bring in one or two leagues. The travel is obviously still an issue, but we've gained a lot of support this year we're, we're bubbling with the fans that we have attending this game even the final on Saturday at, at Forge Hamilton was fantastic really really good turnout and we know that Calgary are going to get a, a, a great turnout there with Calgary mm -hmm. and as I said it's moving in the right direction yep Absolutely, um, and you compare it to MLS and how they're growing and getting numbers. It took a long time. You know, this isn't going to happen overnight. And I think we're seeing some some good uh, progress this season. Speaking of MLS, I want to get to this quickly. Uh, obviously, they, they've looked upon buying. 
big name players from overseas to help grow the league. For example, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Right now, love or hate Zlatan, he's fun to watch, and he may have played his last game recently. Uh, LA Galaxy lost to LAFC five three. As he's walking off the field, he's being given it by the, uh, I guess, the LAFC faithful. And, and we kind of discussed this a bit earlier with with Xhaka, but he grabs his crutch. Mm-hmm. To, to say, you know, leave me alone. But that that didn't offend me. I don't care about that, whatever. You know, it's it's Ibra being Ibra. But his comments afterwards when asked about is he staying or is he going, he says, we'll see what happens. If I stay, then MLS is good because the whole world will watch it. If I don't stay, nobody will remember what MLS is. I'm getting kind of tired of Ibra. I know it's a shtick, <laughs> but shut up. Shut up. You don't transcend shit, Ibra. You're, you're a great player. You've been yeah. fun to watch. You know, you're, you're theatred by itself, but sometimes you go too far, and it's getting a little bit tiresome, isn't it? It's his thing. It's his, it's his stick. There's no question about it. And whether you, like you said, whether you like him or not, and from his footballing ability still, he has a lot to offer. He can still play, obviously. Yeah, yeah. At and 38. he's got that little bit extra. I mean, he, you know, he took out that ad when he arrived in L.A., you know. L.A., you're welcome. <laughs> the lion has, has arrived. Yeah, yeah. But as you said, it's his persona, and he plays up to it very, very well. Wherever he's played in the world, he's always battling against the media and opponents, fans, even mm. his home fans, even his own manager at times, even at Barcelona, he fell out with Pep Guardiola and... I just think that's what he plays with. He thrives on that kind of pressure that he puts himself under. Mm-hmm. He's getting a little bit older. I mean, any manager that has him, they got, first of all, a terrific player, but second of all, you got to deal with Ibra. Yeah. And there was, there was certain stuff that he came out with this year at LA where he, he hammered his own players and saying that they're mm. basically donkeys and not good enough. And there's certain stuff where a head coach has to be strong enough to manage that and I just don't think within this league we have head coaches that are big enough to manage a superstar like Ibra because but Pep mm. couldn't either no exactly he couldn't handle him and it's nothing to do with the yeah. head coaches don't get me wrong here because we have some fantastic head coaches within the league I just think this persona and this aura that that surrounds Ibra and his contingent is basically saying look we do things this way and that's how it's going to be Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're not going to stay here or we're not going to be here. We're not going to promote the league as much as Ibra thinks he does. He thinks he's the main man in the league and he scored plenty of goals this year. But he wasn't the main man because his team are not in the playoffs. They're not in the final four like LAFC and Carlos Vela, who's done very, very well for LAFC this year, top scorer. Mm-hmm. They're guys that are pushing the league forward. They're, they're making leaps and bounds. Yeah, as if he, you know, he always wanted to be that player that was bigger than the sport, and there aren't many of them. He wasn't one of them. He, he tried through his shtick. Great mm. player, of course, but if you look at the players that have, in many ways, transcended their sport, um, I would say Ronaldo, like Cristiano's up there, more than Messi, just because of his off-the-field image, right? He's worked on it more than, than Messi has. Beckham as well. You know, mm. no one ever, some people said Beckham was the best player in the world. He never was. But his yeah. persona, his image off the field his was brand, so yeah. big, his brand, that even if you weren't a football fan, you knew who David Beckham was. So, so well, I, I think in many if you ways, go back to the Ronaldo mm-hmm. and Messi argument, both fantastic players that we have had the pleasure in seeing live or on TV, which a lot of people have not been able to witness prior to Messi and Ronaldo arriving, because we speak about Pelé and Maradona from back in the days, but the difference between Ronaldo and Messi is that Ronaldo was actually 
won something at international level as well. And that's the only stumbling block where people talk about Messi not being world-class, which I still think is stupid. He's world-class. It was, he's, yeah, I mean... But he hasn't won or hasn't okay, so, helped so, his w- international w- w- team. What happens is, just say, for instance, um, he, Messi comes from Haiti. Hmm? He's never going to win the World Cup. He's never going to qualify for the World well, Cup. Or George Best. Or George, there you go. There's a good example. Northern Ireland. So, you know, depending on where they come from, it's hard, you know, I mean, as it happens, he comes from Argentina, right? <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, but, you're right. And his, his Argentine teams have been very good teams, but you're right, haven't won the big prize. Yeah. Maybe they should have done, but yeah. I don't think it's Messi's fault. No, exactly. When you see him World Cups, he's been vilified. He's been great at World yeah. Cups, but he can't do it all himself. No. No. You know? And no. See, and when he comes to, I mean, Maradona did it, I mean, 86. I mean, you could... You well, know. Ronaldo done it all himself. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, <laughs> yeah. did he know? Look at the scorelines. It was defense, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, he was on the he, he was on the bench for the coaching for the final. That's right. Yeah. Remember so he did that himself. <laughs> <laughs> you know this. I you know I I don't know. If there's a more boring <laughs> argument in the world. Who's better, Messi or Ronaldo? I think yeah. you're right. Dude. Just enjoy them. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm a Messi guy. Amazing. You might be a Ronaldo guy. You know, it's it's mm. okay. You yeah. know, these are the best of the generation. You know, they would have dominated in any generation. Just as I'm yeah. sure Pele, probably with the training nowadays and the diets nowadays, would have dominated today. We can never know that, but no. probably going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And Pele, to me, by the way, transcended the sport because as a kid, I knew Pele was. I didn't know anything about football when I was four years old, but I knew Pele was. You know, so yeah. times change, I suppose. But uh, at the time being, now scored in how many consecutive Champions League years or something? It's like seventeen or something. Is that what it is? Yeah, eighteen. It's crazy. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, but you know what? MLS will miss Ibra if he leaves. Mm-hmm. Will miss Ibra to a certain point, but yeah, his shtick is getting a bit tiresome and. Some people have been saying that for a number of years now. Still, his biography is one of the best biographies to read because it really is. It's, it's great. Um, before we go, a uh, big question. I've got one here for you, all right? Um, this weekend, Rugby World Cup. I'm a big rugby fan. England smashed the All Blacks against the form book. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, rugby performance by England ever. It was incredible. And the All Blacks, big favorites to win the World Cup. Out of here. Mm. Gone. Goodbye. But a lot of controversy about the hacker. Before the match, now the hack is amazing. I think most people really enjoy watching it, but England really stood up to it. People are saying they disrespected the hacker. They did this kind of V formation yeah. and they encroached over the line a little bit. You got to be ten meters from the hacker because it was in '97. Yeah, England played the All Blacks, um, and I think Richard Cockerell was going face to face with Norm Hewitt. It's one of the greatest sporting sites you'll ever see. Google it. But it, it kind of kicked off, and since then they've said you must be ten meters back. But England really kind of got in the faces of the All Blacks and people saying it's wrong, you shouldn't be able to do that. You should respect the hacker. I think that's bullshit. Yeah. Don't you? I mean, no, okay, I respect the culture, I get that, where it comes from, but why should you be allowed to sit, to stand there and be intimidated by one team before kickoff? Well, there's yeah. lots of comments about, about the hacker and England's formation, etc. And I think the hacker is a great rugby tradition, I really do. It's a great spectacle as well for the sport, everyone yeah. knows about. Yeah. So New Zealand have the right to, to do it, but they have no right to dictate how teams line up or crowd re- react to it, in, in my opinion. It's a challenge that they're kind of dictating to the other team. So other teams have the right 
to, face to that react challenge. and face that challenge. And I, I loved there was one yeah. picture I think of Farrell. Was it Farrelly that yeah. was kind of looking? Owen Farrell was yeah, kind of smirking a little bit, winking. smirking. But they were in the V formation. And what's wrong with that? Like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. I think he added to the spice of the game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're going to stand there and take that. I mean, absolutely take that. It's a, it's something. It's a very, very intimidating. The hacker from yeah. New Zealand. Not the fact to take away the fact that they're one of the best teams in the world. I'm not sure I understand. You know, it's fantastic. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, no kidding. Siri does it. No kidding, Siri. Siri does it. Agree with you. What the fuck are you talking about? Really? Yeah. But let's let's not get away from the fact it's not just that New Zealand do the hacker, is it? I think Samoa, Fiji, Fiji. Samoa, Fiji actually mm-hmm. do it yeah. as well. So yeah. the teams lining up against them have, as I said, every right to react in a way as long as it's not. Uh, ungentlemanly, which uh, at the end of the, the game, you saw England line up, New Zealand line up in kind of a, the tunnel. a, a victory tunnel you to, yeah, to yeah. applaud them. And then England reversed it and applauded mm-hmm. New Zealand back off the field. So there's a huge amount of respect in rugby towards the other player, to the opponent. Yeah. And I think football could learn a lot off of that. I really point. do, you know. But um, I've always said that, you know, I played rugby my whole life up until I was 31. I um, can tell by uh, your cauliflower is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you look into that brain a little bit deeper, no, you'll see some more like damage, that. I think. <laughs> Smashed. Your, Onion your, head. Wow, your, <laughs> your face is so deformed. Is that from rugby charms? No. No, it's just the way I am. Yeah. But, you know, growing up, you know, you'd always play rugby 80 minutes. You, you beat the crap out of each other and then you clap each other off the field yeah. and then have a beer afterwards. And um, mm-hmm. notice in football, that just wasn't the same. Well, we saw that with the Canadian after the South Africa game. He got sent off, went into the dress room. It went viral, you know, going in. Saying sorry, I feel really bad about the red card. Good luck for the rest of the tournament. You don't see that in any other sport. And even the New Zealand coach, after I thought he was incredibly classy about the news, uh, the, the match, saying that England were better than us on the day. Yeah, yep. that's simple as that. Actually, that, that, that's an experience that I gained when I came to North America, and I, I couldn't really get over it when I first came here. So we were on either away trips where we were playing, say, in Columbus, and or Chicago, wherever it was, and after the game, we'd go back to the hotel, get changed, and we'd go out for a, a meal because we had per diem back in those days. And then we'd go to a bar or something after because we were flying the next day. And the players that we just played against, whether it be from Columbus or Chicago, were in the same bar and we were having a, a drink or socialising with him. And I was like, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> that fella kicked two lumps out of me the whole game or I've given him a nice juicy elbow and now we're having beers together and I just couldn't get over it but the explanation from our players was you have to remember a lot of these guys that play in the league they went to either university together they've grown up together in that sense that it's still a social thing for them and that that was something I had to kind of come to terms with early on in my MLS because you're a Neanderthal I just like when yeah. I'm going out on the field and I'm like, we're going to war. This is a, a battle we're going for. Like, right, for the 90 minutes. But yeah. why, why can't you forget that after the match? In England, that's not possible. Oh, in, in football, but, but not in rugby. You've got anger grow up man- management. Yeah, problem. I did have anger management. But, <laughs> so. Maybe you try to eat someone once. <laughs> <minute, so. laughs> yeah, exactly. It goes back to last week's conversation we talked about, you know, the, the hugging before a match yeah. and, and shaking hands. I don't mm. agree with that. I, I agree on the field. Or play, don't do that stuff. But afterwards, you should be able to just kind of take a breath and say, that was fun, well played, you played hard, shake my hand, have a pint. You know, my, my last game yeah. playing um, soccer, I was a dreadful footballer. I'm talking like 
Division Three men's indoor soccer. I got sent off. Division in, in, Three. Yeah, it was awful. So you like, had anger, anger management as well, well Sean? Yeah, but but I got sent off for a little bit of a skirmish, and then we both two, me and this other guy, got sent off, and we both sing in the stands about ten rows away, eyeing each other, and then we went, ah, fuck it, went over there, shook his hand, had a great chat, had some beers. Another Englishman turns out. It was great. It was fine. But for those few minutes on the field, we hated each other. But you yeah. can forget it, I think, and you should forget it. Kids out there. All those kids out there. This is a guy coaching our children today, by the way. Danny Vicchio, you know, Toronto FC Academy, the future of the game in this country. You don't want to shake hands. We're at all costs. No. Yeah. You do whatever you got to do. You got to bite, you got to bite. <laughs> do what you got to do. But uh, yeah, anyway, England, South Africa next weekend. Yeah. Four in the morning or something. Oh God, yeah. these these World Cups, you know, in, in strange lands, aren't good for viewership, are they? They're tough to watch. Yeah, Christ, get used to it. Qatar, twenty twenty two. Oh, that's right. Christ, Eng- uh, the Premier League is is shutting down like seven days before the tournament kicks off or something. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Good preparation. Yeah. Yeah. A winter World Cup nightmare. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> All right, guys, we're out of time. Um, we want to thank Tommy Wilden Jr. Awesome. Calgary Cavalry, good luck mm-hmm. to them. And Hamilton Forge up 1-0 in the CPR final. The, the second leg goes this Saturday. Catch that on one soccer course. It should be uh, another fantastic match. Uh, more drama, more theatrics. And we'll crown our first champion in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, I want to thank, as always, Eggplant, Picture and Sound. Also, Luca Dicchio. Mm-hmm. Luca Dicchio of Side Door Magazine. SideDoorMag.com. Uh, he shares the same name as Danny Dicchio because he's his son. Uh, uh, Luke is in, in charge of our, our look, our logo. He's doing great work with that, so we thank you. So please check out SideDoorMag.com. Log on, check out Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, subscribe, and sign up for notifications. We're getting there, fellas and ladies. We're getting there slowly but surely. We thank you for joining us, and we'll be back same time, same place next week. Cheers for listening and watching. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.